0: Sunday Sports Sound Off is presented by Windowworks.
1: The time to talk Tennessee football is now. It's Sunday Sports Sound Off, the longest running talk show in the state of Tennessee with Tim Irwin and your host, Jimmy Hines. Call in now at 656 9900 or 866 656 9900. Sunday Sports Sound Off, sponsored by Safety Systems, Lexus of Knoxville, ANL RV. Your East Tennessee
2: Volunteer Toyota Dealers, TVA, Wow Cable Internet and Phone, Window Works, Rusty Wallace Kia on Callahan, Salsaritas,
1: Fox 43 Sports, National OT Clinic, and Kimball's Jewelers. Now, here's your host, Jimmy Hines. Tennessee takes care of business against UAB. The Vols thirty to seventeen. The defense continues to play well. A couple of players who had to come adversity through the year, Bryce Thompson and Jared Garantano do a nice job for the balls as they run the record to four and five for the first time this year consecutive wins for Tennessee, and they really outmanned a Blazers team, led thirty to nothing before giving up a touchdown with two thirty five left. That ended a streak of seven consecutive quarters without giving up a touchdown welcome to sunday sports sound off i'm jimmy himes along with tim Irwin, former star at central high school the university of tennessee and with the minnesota vikings tim your thoughts on tennessee's performance yesterday
2: i look like a a team playing a weak opponent and just uh just playing okay defense played super offense uh that's just very average i want to say uh Jared Garantano showed a lot of toughness out there playing with that broken bone in his hand, splinted up. I'm amazed he could take a snap like that. Um, but I don't think he played particularly well. You cannot be one-dimensional in college football anymore against anyone. Coaches and personnel is always good enough to shut down one facet of the game or the other. And they had eight... eight Sometimes nine in the box, way more than we could block. Up there trying to stop our run, and we didn't make them pay enough through the air. Um, we just didn't, just didn't hit the open man. We didn't. Uh, our offense looked a little bit inept. We got down there uh, three times and had to settle for field goals in the first half. We finally pushed it across. Uh, defense luckily played lights out. They kept giving us the ball um by the second quarter, I was hoping they threw it every down uh, <laughs> that poor guy uh, was getting uh, smashed every time he dropped back and was throwing some ducks out there that uh, luckily Thompson was on his game and what a game for him. four turnovers and he tackled like a man. He did not look like Bryce Thompson that I've seen the past years when he was coming up making tackles. He was playing some football yesterday.
1: I thought that's his best game in Tennessee uniform. I've never yeah. seen him play better. The three interceptions was a, a tied to school record that a number of people had held, including Tim Priest. Uh, but it also was the first time a Tennessee player had three interceptions in a game since 1999. Deion Grant did it against Auburn. Wow. So you got to go back a long way to find the last time somebody did that. 20 years, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah. I'll go ahead and go through some of the thumbs up and and uh, to Garantano. If we're getting out there and playing with that situation, he was thirteen of 21, 147 yards. Had a really bad turnover at the end of the half when he threw it um, uh, a week pass over the middle, got picked off. Said he got chewed out. Said he deserved it. Said it was a quote stupid quote play on his part. But uh, it, he got out there and played with it, and he was favoring it. He said it was throbbing. He said there's a lot of pain in it. And he said in the left hand, and he said there was some numbness that was in that hand as well. But he was playing six days after having surgery, so big thumbs up for Bryce Thompson, best game of his career at Tennessee. Also for the four turnovers in the tennis, in the first half that Tennessee got, they turned those into twenty points. They led twenty three nothing at halftime. Uh, Ty Chandler led the way with eighty five yards rushing. Juwan Jennings had five catches for seventy yards and a touchdown run. Uh, Henry To'o Toe for tipping a pass that Bryce Thompson intercepted. Uh, also, I thought the pass rush was, was pretty good. They ended up getting three sacks. An interesting stat on that. UAB entered the game having uh, made 26 sacks. They got none against Tennessee, although they hit Guarantano a few times. Uh, I guess that was right. That's, it said no sacks. It seemed like there might have been one. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me there was definitely it. one. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, there
2: was definitely one because their left tackle got beat. He sure did. Right in front yeah, of Morris. God and country. I mean, that's. Yeah. He just got beat.
1: But, uh, so uh, the the ratio for sacks to those given up for UAB was 26 to 5. Uh, the ratio against Tennessee, as I double check this, was 2 to 3. Tennessee had three sacks. Pruitt said that's a hard team to sack because typically they have a seven-man protection. It's hard to get to the quarterback, but Tennessee got there. A couple of the notes. Um, you mentioned how well the defense played, and I agree. They held UAB to 25 carries, 63 yards, and, in fact, uh, UAV had 237 total yards. 66 came on the last drive at the end of the game when you had a lot of backups for Tennessee in the contest. But uh, a solid performance by Tennessee on defense. Uh, thumbs up, Eric Gray, his first career touchdown. He set a state record for touchdowns scored. Uh, he said he was glad to get there. It took him a lot longer than he thought it would, but he was tickled to get there.
2: He almost dropped that ball, Jimmy. Yeah. He bobbled it, he, yeah. but he caught, thank goodness he
1: caught it. Brent Samaglia. Three field goals, a career-long 53. This year, he's 18 of 20. He leads the SEC in field goal accuracy for anybody that's attempted at least 10. And the record is 27 in a season by Fawad Reves I don't think he's going to get to 27, but he's had a heck of a year for 10 Now You never
2: know if we don't get better in the red zone, he might.
1: <laughs> well, that's a fair point. Uh, here's a thumbs up. Four different tight ends caught a pass. Yes. Knoxville
2: uh, product uh, caught a big one out there, I saw. Well, you had two of them. Oh, two um, Knoxville
1: products. Yeah, Austin Pope caught a six-yard pass. Uh, Andrew Craig, who was given a scholarship early this year, had a 29-yard reception, the grandson of Ray Hand. Dominic Wood Anderson had three catches, and Jacob Warren of Farragut, a All right. third local product, had a catch. So the tight ends had four catches, three of them by Knoxville kids. All right, thumbs down. Red zone offense had to settle for too many field goals. Tennessee is last in the SEC and touchdowns per red zone appearance. They need to improve that. Didn't think Wanye Morris had a very good performance. It left tackle number 64, had a couple of whiffs, gave up a sack. I uh, don't know what was going on with him, but he he's a better player than that. He did not have a good game, Tim.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've had a lot of guys leave the game up front, and we had a lot leave the game last week. I don't know if they got completely healed back or not with the secrecy around Medical conditions, that you just never know if they're full strength or, are struggling a little bit. He seemed upset with himself after the play. I mean, all I can tell you is it happens sometimes, kid. I mean, there's <laughs> two guys out there with different jobs, and one of them wins, and sometimes it's not going to be you. You got to have short memory and get on with it. Um, it, it happens to the best of them. Uh,
1: a couple of other notes. I, I thought that. Um... Tennessee's offense was pretty pedestrian. 302 yards, 66 plays, 4.6 yards per play. That's not very good. I didn't think the passing attack was very good either. I thought Tennessee missed some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game.
2: Kind of looked like uh, we were going through the motions out there sometimes. Our line seemed like sometimes they were getting a surge and the back would run into somebody's back. Sometimes it seemed like there was more time, more than we could block, and sometimes it seemed like that 350-pound bowling ball was just whipping us in there. That Fair, I believe, was his name. Yeah, he's a chunk. Uh, but it was not a, a fantastic day on offense. Um, I, I even disagreed. You know, I'm a big Cheney fan, but I disagreed with uh, some of the ways he attacked that thing. I think he finally decided, you know, I've got to throw it even if we make mistakes. I think a lot of that was to cover up a quarterback with a broken left hand or wrist. And we're not going to make him mistakes. We're not going to beat ourselves. We got very conservative. I think when he opened it up a little bit and started throwing the ball, we moved it a little better. You got to make them pay when they stick that many people in the box. And, I mean, he's got to be tough, the shots he's taken in the last four years we got to do something about recognizing the blitzer, the free runner. I can't remember a guy getting hit that often, that hard, as Jared has in his career. And yesterday, looked like more of the same. It looked like we'd reverted back. We took a step backwards on offense yesterday.
1: Uh, the other thing was, and you pointed this out, Tennessee had a lot of um, unproductive running plays. One yard or less, eight times in the first half, six times in the second half. That's 14 runs where Tennessee got either one or fewer yards. Jimmy, you see it in the pros. You see it in college. You see it in
2: high school. When the other team knows you're going to run the ball and they bring more people than you can block, usually they stop you. And it was a combination of them bringing more than we could block. And like I said earlier, that 350-pound wrecking ball running around in there, uh, he had a good ball game. Their nose man, Fair, uh, he was just uh about five eleven, three forty looked like, and uh, he uh, he stopped a lot of plays for little or no gain. And I mean, a couple of times they met us at the handoff. Yeah, just had complete free runners. The backs did an excellent job, not coughing the football up. Uh, we got to be able to throw them off of us. Uh, whoever's back there has got to be able to throw the ball, throw them all out of that package when they get up there and put everybody on the line of scrimmage like that.
1: In the first half, Tennessee started five of its possessions in UAB territory, five of them, on the Ah. plus 19, field goal, on the plus 31, field goal, on the plus 30, touchdown, the plus 43, touchdown, the plus 41, end zone interception.
2: Like I said, after about 10 minutes, I was hoping UAB threw it every... I was hoping they'd throw it every down. Because when they were throwing it, two out of the three, three things that could happen were good for us. And they were happening. I mean, three picks, sacks. Their passing game was atrocious yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that was, I thought, one of the strengths of their team going going into the game was being able to throw the ball downfield. And they flat couldn't yesterday. And i got to give a lot of the credit, I mean, he's a defensive back guy. He starts from the back and works forward with his defense. And his specialty area, if you had to name one, would be DBs. And he's got those guys coached up. They're playing good football right now.
1: He made an interesting comment last night. I don't know if I can find it quick enough, but he did say, oh, here it is. Uh, he was talking about the secondary, and I don't know if maybe Derek Ansley's name came up, whatever. but he made this comment. I love coaching defensive backs. If I can't coach defensive backs, I'm not going to coach anymore. So uh, you're right. That is something he enjoys doing. He also praised Derek Ansley on the job he's doing and said Ansley's getting better at play calling on the defensive signals. So that was something else that, uh, that came up. So uh, Tennessee, by the way, um, in the passing game, and holding containing the UAB passing game, Tyler Johnston was averaging 9.7 yards per attempt. That is really good. Against Tennessee, he had 22 attempts for 136 yards. Uh, He typically has done a good job of throwing the long ball. Here are his numbers. 11 of 22, 136 yards, three interceptions, and was sacked three times. And he also lost a fumble. Darrell Middleton caused a fumble that was lost also by UAB's quarterback. So, not – and and by the way, Middleton looks like he's playing better football as the season has progressed. I
2: think so, too. I think – Everybody's showing potential up there. They're getting better. On defense, our offense, like I said, seemed to take a step backwards yesterday and I think uh I think uh coaching shares a little bit of that. I think they were too conservative in the first half. I think sometimes you know that bad things might happen once in a while, but you got to cut it loose. You got to you know, the strength of our offense is obviously Jennings and Callaway mm-hmm. and and you got to get the ball in their hands and you got to throw it to do that or put uh Juwan in the wildcat and I just think we went into a shell and took the three point we almost just took the three points they gave us it was almost automatic take and uh, I'm I'm glad they won the game I was a little scared of that ball game uh with what's happened this year and after coming off of three weeks of pretty good Tennessee football, and uh, I was a little bit nervous going into
1: it. uh, I was, too, until I visited with the players, and they convinced me that there would not be a repeat of Georgia State. They said the Georgia State game, there was no way they were going to overlook this team. There was no way they wouldn't be focused, and they came out and played well. It is interesting that, by far, the, the best drive Tennessee had was in the third quarter, 11 plays, 74 yards. It was culminated by Eric Gray touchdown reception from Garantano. But the first two of the early field goals for Tennessee, four plays, one-yard field goal. That was after an interception. Another drive for a field goal, four plays, minus five yards. (laughs) And he hit a 53-yard field goal.
2: You know the world I live in, Jimmy, is basically up there in the line, Who's doing what coming off the football? but I got to tell you from a, a stratagem standpoint, I love I love the wheel route mm-hmm. as almost always a wheel route isolates a very skilled player on a linebacker, and I love those wheels if you got time to get the ball off and uh, that's what we scored on. I'd like to have seen that play featured even more. I don't think that's a particular strength for Jared. He seems to struggle throwing it a little bit, but, boy, he threw a nice ball there. Uh, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see us go to our tight ends if we got four of them that caught a pass. I guess we did yesterday. Mm -hmm. I saw us throw and try to force the ball to Juwan a couple times where he was bracketed underneath and on the top. I saw us throw into double coverage way too much yesterday. And I admire his toughness, but I continue to question our quarterback's decision-making I know he's out there playing with a hurt hand but it shouldn't affect between his ears and he didn't make any improvements in his decision-making yesterday in my
1: opinion interesting note about that game and, and field position certainly was dominated by Tennessee entering the fourth quarter Tennessee had run 33 snaps in UAB territory UAB had run three in Tennessee territory that's an amazing number. Uh, just a couple of other notes about the game. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt talking about his kicker Brent Samaglia. He said, "I don't know if he played any defense in high school, but that guy could play linebacker." There was a play in which Samaglia kicked a field goal, and there was a UAB player that was getting involved in extracurricular with Brandon Kennedy, and Samaglia ran over there and shoved the guy from UAB. <laughs> so it's like this. He's uh, he's kind of into it. Uh but uh I think that's what prompted Pruitt to say maybe you could play linebacker. Another thing, bowl chances. Tennessee's now four and five. They got Kentucky coming up. They also have to go to Missouri. Uh they got Vanderbilt here, should beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's horrible. That means Tennessee has to beat either Kentucky or Missouri to get to a bowl. Do you like Tennessee's bowl chances?
2: Yes. Can they win two out of three? Yes. Can they win three out of three? They can. If the defense keeps playing lights out and the offense, we have better decision making on the offense. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Kentucky's going to score a lot of points. Agreed. I think Missouri might at home. I don't think you can be ultra conservative against Missouri when you go on the road and play them at home. They're a different team at home. At least they have been so far. Yep. Uh, it would be. It'd be nice to go in. If we end this season at 7-5, and five, that's one heck of a coaching job. You measure coaches by progress throughout the year. At least I do. And to me, one of the greatest coaching jobs ever been done at Tennessee is when we started, what was it, 0-6? And and in came, 1988.
1: And came back and five. won the
2: next 5 Mm-hmm. To me, that was a fantastic coaching job. Uh, to, to me, if we get to seven and five, this will be a fantastic coaching job. Uh,
1: when, we, uh, when we come back, we hope that we can take your phone calls. We've got some technical issues. We're going to try to work through those. I will give you the number, 656-9900, 656 uh, 9900 You're listening uh, to Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Uh, we're brought to you by Window Works. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off. Well, it obviously hurt when he wasn't practicing, um, but he's, he's improving. Um, he's been banged up for a couple of weeks now. He's a tough kid that, that really wants to play. Uh, he likes to play. Um, so, you know, he's, he's continued to improve, and, and he should. You know, he's playing more ball. He's, he's older. He's mature. He's getting stronger. He's been in the system a little longer, So, uh, and he needs to continue to do that. That's Tennessee head coach Jeremy Pruitt talking about cornerback Bryce Thompson. Three interceptions, again, tying a single-game school record the last time a Tennessee player did it, 20 years ago when Deion Grant accomplished that feat. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off, brought to you by Window Works. I'm Jimmy Himes, along with Tim Irwin. Let's go to the phones where our first caller is Alan. Alan, you're on Sunday gentlemen, Sports Sound Off. Gentlemen, good morning. Morning.
3: It is a... Bit, it's been a pretty good weekend, gentlemen. It's a beautiful Sunday morning. I uh, just saw a young buck in rut running full speed across the field. And I watched the Gators get beat. And I, I get to watch the Gators lose a few officiating calls. And then I watch our Vols just uh, play a pretty decent game. You know, everybody on college game day chose Tennessee, but was talking about they wouldn't cover the spread. And I think, uh, I tell you, I, ever since that Bama game, I, I don't know what happened, but they, they seem like they've turned a corner. And uh, excited about the direction they're going, and I, you know I'm just excited about it. But uh, the question I'd go I back have to Mississippi in year-
1: State. I wouldn't say Alabama. Yeah, I'd say Mississippi State. I'd definitely put the Mississippi State
2: game in there.
3: Oh Lord, yeah. Oh, that's right, No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, before that, absolutely. But uh, uh, that Bama game, I think was the better officiating. it the one score game either way. I really, do. I really believe that. But um, talking about a. Uh, you know, we, had, we always knew about the alpha dog, and we knew he was he was taking a step forward. We felt good, you know, even last year, I felt good about him. And uh, But, you know, we talked about most of the off season. we were talking about Ty Chandler. And uh, people were talking about how he's going to get the ball in Chandler's hands. And, and guys, I'll tell you, Jordan, I think, is probably outrunning him. And I think if Gray put on some LBs, Gray's going to compete. Is it the competition? Is, has Chandler not progressed the way we thought? I'm just not hearing his name as much as I thought we might uh, during this season. But, hey, I'm proud of the team. Uh, I, I think we can go out and get that bowl game. And, and, and Tim, you're right, 88 was a great job. I think it's when we went from a 3-4 to a 4-3 that year and uh, really turned the the in. And, but, yeah, just excited, guys. Uh, and, as always, I appreciate you guys letting me call and go balls.
1: Okay. Well, it's interesting what you said about Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler led the team in rushing yesterday at 85 yards. He had 16 carries. He scored a touchdown. In the game before he led Tennessee in rushing, he had 78 yards in the previous game. He has been Tennessee's best running back and leading rusher in the last two games. Uh, Tim Jordan led the team in rushing against Alabama, but his last two games he's averaged probably, what, three yards a carry. So...
2: Did he play well against Mississippi State too? Jordan? Yeah. Uh
1: I think he did okay against Mississippi yeah, State. Yeah, I think yeah. he
2: was I think those two games kinda of belong to him. At the first of the season it looked like it might be gray. They've kind of um, they've all had their bright spots. I think they make a good uh, uh triad of, of quality backs. And you think about good teams, you gotta have more than one. So um uh,
1: Yeah, Mississippi State, both Chandler and Jordan had good games. Chandler had 63 yards, well, relatively, and Jordan had 59. So they were about equal in that game. Yeah, but you put those
2: together, and you got a pretty good day running the football.
1: Not bad. You're close to 120. Mm -hmm. But but Chandler had a – here's one thing about the passing game. If you remember the very first play of the season, they threw a swing pass to him, and it got fumbled into the hands of the opponent, Georgia State. They have tried that swing pass a few times with Chandler. It has not worked. Uh, and, and I think that's one reason they're not throwing him the ball much out of the backfield.
2: It seemed to work the year before at times. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a mental thing. I, I don't think it's Jared's best pass either. I would split the responsibility between he and the quarterback at the first of the year. It seemed like that little swing pass where you need some touch. He was drilling it and, and, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like our best play like we thought it was going to be. It hadn't been featured, but no, I think he's looked good, and he's had a good, solid year carrying the football.
1: Let's go to Steve. Steve, you're on Sunday Sports Soundoff. Hey, fellas. Hey, Steve.
4: Hey. Uh, Jimmy, you were telling me yesterday about a wide receiver for Berman on that average around 20 yards catch. I thought that was the one so darn impressive sometimes, wasn't he? I mean, didn't he make? Yes, last night made several
1: really nice catches for them. Uh, well there were two around right uh, about that. There were two averaging more than twenty yards a catch. Now the yeah. one who made the great catch I think was Myra Mitchell, but Austin Watkins and Kendall Parham both were averaging over twenty yards a catch. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. did the Watkins was three for thirty four, Parham was two for thirty. Uh they did not hurt Tennessee at all with deep passes and um
4: Yeah, but I just thought I remember that there, there's somebody that made a few really nice catches, you know, for them.
1: Mitchell, uh, Mitchell was a guy. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, okay. Uh, well, okay. Well, well, well. Listen, fellas, uh, do y'all feel like our running game? You know, the season's not real far from being over. Uh, is our running game? Do y'all, uh, do y'all think there's reason to think that they will be okay? Yes, I know we won and won big, and I'm glad of that. I thought we did some darn good stuff. I guess we all think that. But our running game, do y'all think that it will be, well, let's say next season even, if we have some of the people we have now, do y'all think that our running game will make progress uh, as far as – I know it's made some this year, I suppose. But how do y'all feel about our running game?
1: Tim, I think it's been okay. Um, Better
2: than it was the year before. Again, like I said earlier – you can't be one dimensional in right, the SEC. Right. You've got to be able to do both. If right. you get to a situation where the other team thinks you can't throw, they're going to load that box, and they're going to stop right. that run. And right, you're going right. to occasionally pop a big one, but you're going to have sixteen plays of one yard or less when you're trying to take six or seven and run up against eight or nine in there. It's, it just doesn't make. It just doesn't work. Right, uh, right. I think. Uh, our running game's been adequate, not right. overpowering, but I think it is better than it was last year. I think the key to Tennessee's run game next year is whether, A, Brandon Kennedy applies for and gets a sixth year, or if someone like a Cooper Mays comes in, steps in as a freshman center and is just fantastic. Right. I, think right. got, I think that's going to be the big question mark. I think we've got plenty of guards and tackles coming back for next year. I think we've got a, a bevy of tight ends coming back that some right. of them have really shown they can block. I think we've got good backs coming back. I think that center right. position is going to be key next year. And, of course, if we develop a more effective passing game and we develop more consistency in that part of the game, take some of the pressure off of us, I think that will be the keys for next year.
4: Right, right. Well, yeah, well, okay. Uh, Believe it or not, I ask questions like that, but everything you just told me, most of it I knew. (laughs) Oh,
1: sorry. Um, Didn't mean to do that. Uh, By the way, I had asked Brandon Kennedy over a month ago, was he considering a sixth year? And he said yes. Then he got asked that again recently, and he said yes. So I don't know if he's going to do it or not. Will Friend, the offensive line coach, said he's been around so long, by the time he finishes at Tennessee, he'll have his doctorate. So we'll see. As far as the run game, on running plays that were called, I'm not talking about quarterback sacks or quarterback run after a scramble. Tennessee had 34-run plays called for 121 yards. That's 3.55 yards a carry. You would like it to be better than that. You would. Uh, as you were pointing out earlier, there were a lot of runs that were one zero or minus yards.
2: Yeah, would you total up like 16 of them yes. in a football game? That's way too many.
1: 14, I'm sorry. 14,
2: 14 That's mm-hmm. that's still way too many. Mm-hmm. Uh you can't have no yardage, negative plays, one yard. You can't start your series like that on first and second downs, and that's when a lot of them were. Yep.
1: That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes, and when we come back, we'll have more. If you want to join us, 656 9900 656 9900 We're brought to you by Window Works. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off.
0: It felt great. It felt um, long overdue for me. It felt great to finally get in there. First of many, I just want to give all the glory to God for sure.
1: That's Tennessee running back Eric Gray, the true freshman, led the state in scoring or most touchdowns, and he finally breaks through with a touchdown against UAB, a 13-yard reception from Jarrett Garantano. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sandoff. We're brought to you by Window Works, family-owned, founded in East Tennessee with only American-made products. Tim, we um, saw a spark out of Gray earlier this year, kind of disappeared there for a few weeks. Uh, It showed up yesterday. I I think in this league it's important that you do have three backs that can be productive for you, and I think Gray could help.
2: I agree, and I think uh, by and large that – uh, triple threat of running backs has have, have done the job for us this year. Uh, they've been hot at different times. They feature a little bit of different things. Gray would be the guy with the most open field moves. Uh, Chandler would be the best combination, and Jordan would be by far the toughest runner. And they've all shown that they can play at this level, and it's nice to have the option of going to different, one up, different ones of them. And I don't know if they have designated plays or if it's just – next man up or who makes those decisions, I guess I would think they had designated plays they'd want him in. I wouldn't think you'd want Jordan in there on a passing down, but what people always forget about running backs, if you can't do your job on protection, you don't get to play. And I think Gray might struggle with that on third down some, which is why we don't get to see him featured more as a third down back.
1: Well, you're exactly right. He did not do a good job in picking up some pass protection earlier. And, in fact, when he was asked last night, he said, hey, there are things I need to improve on. And he was asked, is pass protection one of them? He said yes.
2: We used to say, if you want to rock, you've got to
5: block.
1: <laughs> That's a good saying. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to Daryl. Daryl, you're on Sunday Sports Sound Off.
5: Hey, good, frigid Sunday morning to you all. Jimmy, did you come in, haul the wood in, and get it going for old Tim? Yes, sir. <laughs> you got, I thought you are supposed to have interns for that, but I guess not. Uh, Tim, I, uh, Judge, I got a question for you. You played more games you can probably remember. Our freshman tackle, Wanya Morris, has done a tremendous job for us. Seemed like he kind of hit a wall last night, Judge. You think, as a combination, maybe hitting a freshman wall or that other guy was just better? What do you think?
2: I think, uh, like I was saying earlier, I think uh, you go out there and two guys got a job to do. Um sometimes a guy on defense gets you. And it happened to some of the great ones. It happened to Gary Zimmerman, a, a Hall of Fame Peridio Pro, Pro Bowler teammate of mine. And it kills you when you get beat. And he just got beat. I don't know that he played bad the whole game. He looked rough on that play. I don't know. uh As offensive tackle, that's really all it takes to mess your game up is get beat out there yeah. in space one time, get the quarterback hit. I'd have to look at the film to know what kind of overall performance he gave, but he got beat on that play, and I suspect with them having 25 sacks going into the game, yeah. they might have some pretty good pass rushers. I don't know.
5: Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd say that's true. Last question I want to ask you, and, and and this may be a little personal for you, Judge, and if you don't want to say, I understand, but last night uh, – Marino, he looked like a defensive player that very intense without question, but that shot on uh, on our, uh, oh, goodness, Trey Smith last night was just as dirty as it can be and dangerous. And uh, I got a feeling that you and some more like him, if that would have happened to some of y'all, uh, you might have gotten in the huddle and said, let's make a cake for that old boy. And I just wondered, did that ever happen to y'all playing where you just Somebody was just being a little dirty, and you said that's enough of that. I'll listen, boys. Have a great day.
2: Thanks. I think there was a code of enforcement uh, back during my era, but I believe it's a little difficult to have that code of enforcement with the no peelbacks and no targeting and uh, no hits with the head and all the different rule changes and probably need those. But, yeah, if we saw somebody – going after our guys, we'd make sure to look for him. Um, that's enough on that subject.
1: It was also stupid because Tennessee was yeah. about to face third and long, and yeah. instead they got a first and goal.
2: It was a cheap shot. I saw several cheap shots during one stretch of the game, primarily out of, uh, out of our opponents. And I thought they looked pretty classless there for a while, um, you know. You know, live by the sword, die by the sword, I would have, like caller said, I probably would have been inclined to ramp it up a little bit against them. If the officials aren't going to take care of it, then maybe. I would definitely take take steps to protect my guys. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Let's go to John. John, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning.
2: Hey, just had a quick uh, comment there. Seemed like we don't throw the ball to Callaway a whole lot. I know we, we throw it to Jennings a lot. But is there a reason why
5: that we don't throw the ball to him a lot, you think?
2: If we look and the first guy's not open, we go into panic mode. If You want to know the truth about it. If he's the first guy, he gets the ball probably whether he's open or not. And I thought they threw to him one time when he was definitely covered. Um, I don't know if he's not yeah. getting open. He seems to be more of a down the field guy, but we're going to throw it to whoever's numbers up if we can at all. And we're not looking much beyond that. I don't think our decision making is where we need it to be back at quarterback right now. And it's hurting our offense. It, uh, yes, it hurts us when we don't pick up those free runners and know they're coming ahead of time. Some of those blitzes, they telegraphed them I and it was no mystery by the end of the game. That they were coming with extra guys and you've got to get the ball yeah. out of your hand, you gotta know where to go. And to me, that's our biggest shortcoming. It's not arm strength, it's just knowing where to go with the football.
1: And John, I agree yeah, that I, Callaway's I, not been targeted that much. If you look at his uh his season stats, going into the game, Jennings had forty two catches, Callaway seventeen. Callaway didn't have any more catches, this surprises me, than Josh Palmer. Each of them was seventeen. What
2: about yards per catch?
1: That's a difference. Callaway twenty two yards per catch. Palmer twelve point one. Jennings at fifteen point five. That's entering the game. Yeah,
2: and he's more of your down the field guy and they don't get as many balls. But I don't know that his numbers the first one called as often. I, I don't know what's going on back there. Um Yeah, I was just I was just wondering and another quick uh, question there. If we finish out seven and five Uh, who do you think you think maybe outback bowl or something like that? And do you think it'll help our recruiting class? And thank you guys very much. Love your show.
1: Okay. Thank you, John. Um, I don't know. I'll tell you who would love to get Tennessee and hadn't had Tennessee since 1986 season. And that's the Liberty bowl in Memphis. Now, if you're seven and five, you may position yourself for a better bowl than that. Um, I guess the outback would be in play. What's, what's interesting is there are five teams in the SEC that are in really good position to get a good bowl game, and then that's it. There'll be others that make a bowl, but they're not in position to get a really good bowl, in my opinion. So that's going to be – and right now Missouri uh, is a team that looks like they're headed to a bowl, but they are appealing a bowl ban. And I don't think a ruling has been made on whether or not they're going to be eligible for a bowl. So that that's going to be a that's going to be a close situation on on Missouri. You would think they'd have a ruling pretty soon, but Tennessee at seven and five is putting itself in a better position than the Liberty Bowl at six and six. I would bet they'd go liberty, but we'll see,
2: yeah, I'm not sure I know a lot of bowl games are it's almost contractual that they take a certain team from a certain league, and I don't really know those relationships.
1: Uh, L- the SEC has 10 bowl tie-ins.
2: 10. There you go. And I don't know them all. Yeah. i defer to Jimmy on that. Uh, it'd be nice to go somewhere. It'd be better. We'd go to a better one if we were 7-5. and five. But if we were 6-6, six and six, I would vote to go. Uh, we need to go. We need the extra week's practice.
1: Well, they would go at 6-6. Six and six.
2: I know. Yeah. But, I mean, it wouldn't be as uh, positive a feeling. But still, pretty good second half of the year. I mean... If you talk to me week three and say, is this team going bowling? I would say absolutely not. It's been a nice turnaround. And if we get uh, more consistent quarterback play, I think we could make, we could go seven and five. If we don't, then we'll be lucky to go six and six.
1: The Liberty Bowl would be in play. Uh, the others that would be in play would be the Gator Bowl of the Tax Slayer Bowl in, in Jacksonville. Outback Bowl in Tampa would be in play. And the Belt Bowl and Charlotte at seven and five would be in play.
2: that was a very I went to watch the Belt Bowl when my son played at Duke, yeah. and that was a very nice bowl. I thought mm. I've been to a few as a fan. I thought the belt Bowl was a really nice uh, really nice bowl it, It'll be fun. I'm convinced that there's some guys out there, a group of guys that have jackets with bowl crests on them. That just go show up at various places at the end of the year just to stir up stuff. I I mean, to me, it just seems so funny that everybody's writing about these guys that show up with these sports jackets that say, you know, Belt Bowl, Liberty Bowl, Outback Bowl. I I think it's just hysterical, the uh, the hubbub that goes on. Oh, there were officials there. I saw one of them. I talked to one of them. Uh, But it's exciting to be able to talk about it again. And I'm very grateful for that.
1: I uh, omitted one that I should not have. The other one that would be in play is the Music City Bowl in Nashville. I wondered about that. That one's in play also. Let's go to Bill. Bill, you're on Sports Sound Off. Morning, gentlemen. How's your morning? Fine. Better than it could be. We like that
0: extra (laughs) hour of sleep. (laughs) That is true, and it's always awesome coming off of a good Tennessee win. What is the status on Brian Mauer? Didn't really hear his name much as far as yesterday's game. Are we kind of saving him to help us out going into these next three conference games?
1: Brian Mauer did not play. Now, Jeremy Pruitt said during the week that Brian Mauer had been cleared. And and with him saying that, I thought Tennessee would play him. As I'm sure you know, he had missed uh, back-to-back. Uh, he, he missed the game after having back-to-back concussions. And so um, he didn't play. They started Shrout, and then after one series, they came in with Garantano. In the second half, they started Shrout. Then after one series, they came back with Garantano. Uh, So it was uh, saving him. I I guess they're waiting for him to be, I don't know, completely healed, whatever. But to say he was cleared, I actually thought they'd play him some. Now, he's not the only one that missed the game. The others that I had missing the game were safety Theo Jackson, offensive lineman Jameer Johnson. I don't remember seeing Darnell Wright, 72 out there, Tim. I don't either. And I don't I, think he played.
2: I don't. At the end of the game, I saw guys coming in on that last drive that I didn't recognize. I didn't see the usual backups coming in. I think we got some injuries there. Like I say, it's hard to tell because. Medical information is so privileged nowadays. It's not like the pros where you get an injury report. Uh, those guys have a right to privacy. We don't know how they're doing unless some coach or someone tells us, and, and we haven't been told, unfortunately. I I would be very careful with, with Maurer, or that young man. I, I, I know that uh, from what I've learned about concussions and concussion protocol, when you have more than one, you have to be extra, extra cautious. You You're don't more wanna, susceptible to number two. You don't want a lifetime injury, and uh, and I, I would be real cautious about playing him right now. I'd make sure and know in my heart that he was safe and ready to go and have him there for emergencies, but I'd probably play the other two if I could and get by the rest of the year if it was me. I'm just worried about his lifetime health.
0: I mean, I totally agree. I, I honestly thought that we would see Mauer maybe get a few reps in there just to keep him in the routine of things, but one other quick question, and then I'll let you all go so i am listen to you on the air, is what are each of your opinions as far as the SEC officiating going from the beginning of this year through current time based on past years? I feel like This past year, you know, they've made some really rough calls. I don't think we've ever gotten clarification on the stoppage of play when we was there in the Wildcat against Alabama. I gave that
1: clarification. I've already reported that, Bill. Okay, I apologize. Here's the clarification. Here's what happened. Tennessee, there was a pass interference on that particular play. The play started on the 18-yard line. The pass interference against Callaway was on the five. The officials second-guessed themselves as to whether or not they had spotted the ball correctly, so they stopped the clock. That's what the officials told Jeremy Pruitt. That was the reason they did it, because they weren't sure that they had properly spotted it. As you know, in college football, it's a spot foul unless it's beyond 15 yards. And if it's beyond 15 yards, it's a 15-yard penalty. But that's what it was. They they second guessed themselves on the spot. That's why they stopped it. So, okay. so and then, you, then also answer?
0: just watching them on some of the not just our boys in general this season. Um feels like I don't know if either one of you gentlemen saw the Georgia Florida game yesterday, them going down the ball or down the field with Georgia and them calling the pass catchable when he went down the ball, hit the ground, and he even came up bobbling. It seems like we're not getting as good of quality this year from the officiating crews as we've seen in past years. I would agree. And I'll leave it at
1: that. Okay, Bill, we appreciate it. I I think it's been a tough year for SEC officials. The game's hard to call. But I think it's been a tough year for the SEC crews.
2: I concur. I think uh I think the toughest sport to officiate is basketball. Particularly the charge block call. Right. I think that's virtually impossible to get right a high percentage of the time. I think pass interference would be maybe the second situation. I can't think of anything in baseball that really rises, I guess, uh the corners of the plate. Or the, the most subjective, yeah. yeah, most yeah. subjective part yeah. of baseball, um, but I think pass interference in particular yeah. is really tough. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts out there. I don't believe anybody has uh, done anything uh, immoral. I do think the situation I saw in the Alabama game, where one play took one second, and then a kick right after that a field goal not a real long one took six seconds right i think that was hometown cooking on the clock operator and you can't make me change my mind i don't care who tells me what i believe that's what happened on that
1: i don't think it mattered but it was not executed right there's no way there's it doesn't
2: matter but it looked bad to those of us that study the game
1: it it did it was uh that was what it it probably should have run out but it should have been three or four seconds on the pass and three or four seconds on the kick. Right. There's no way you throw a pass in one second. It looked that's, like. That's wrong.
2: It looked like, oops, I only ran one second off here, and now I'm going to run it all off I to make up for I it. I think
1: that's what he did. And, and I, I think he did. That's,
2: that's, just, that's just wrong. Yep.
1: That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. When we come back, we'll have more. We're brought to you by Window Works, A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Bryce,
0: take us through the uh, three interceptions. Um, Honestly, uh, it was perfect play calling. The first one, uh, I had, I was
2: in the flats. My man went vertical to the safety, so I wanted to help out the linebacker over the top. The quarterback
0: threw it right to me, and it was all she wrote from there.
1: That's Bryce Thompson talking about his three interceptions. Uh, We're up against the clock. When we come back, we'll continue to take your call, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. We're brought to you by Window Works, and again, we'll have more. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off.